0: Welcome to Anecdotes with Anne, with me, Anne Rimmer. In today's episode, we return to 19th century Canadian history, when confederation between the Canadian colonies was not yet certain. Often, history is about great individuals executing grand strategies. But sometimes it's also about crackpot ideas that somehow managed to get implemented. This episode is about one of history's last thought through plans. The Finnians were a movement of Irish Catholic Republicans intent on Irish independence from Britain. They started as an underground movement in Ireland in the mid-19th century, but they really took off in the U.S., where their militant message resonated with American Civil War veterans. By the end of the U.S. Civil War, the Finnians had over 10,000 veterans organized in military clubs and a war chest of half a million dollars. As is so often the habit of revolutionaries, the movement split into different factions. One favoured funding and supporting an uprising in Ireland. The second faction's plan was a little more outside the box. Under this second strategy, the Finians would invade and conquer Canada, which it would then swap with the British for a free Ireland. It's probably worth noting that this wasn't entirely unprecedented. The previous century had seen England, France, and Spain swap colonies as the result of various global conflicts. It was also drawing off the experience of the Civil War veterans who saw the legitimacy that the Confederates were able to achieve in part because they had their own territory. It's probably worth noting at this point that there were also Finians based in Canada, but they were very much in the minority. Of the over 250,000 Irish Catholics in Canada at the time, historians estimate that only about 3,000 were Finians. Of those 3,000s, Ironically, the vast majority supported the plan of an uprising in Ireland, not a Canadian invasion. While one would have thought that a lack of support from Finnians in Canada would have been a big strike against any plot to invade the country, the American Finnians believed that when the time came, Canadians would broadly support them, in particular the French. By early 1866, the Finians found themselves coalescing around a plan to invade Canada, as it was becoming increasingly more apparent that there would be no immediate uprising in Ireland. A strategy of capturing the island of Campobello off the coast of New Brunswick was devised. The Finians' main advantage would be surprise, seizing what they assumed to be an undefended island. Unfortunately for them, the Canadians had been preparing for such an attack for over a year as the finnian plans were routinely leaked to the media or sold by informers to the British. Any element of surprise was completely removed when the Canadian police intercepted and deciphered a telegram summoning the Toronto-based Finnians to New Brunswick at the end of March. By the time the Finnians were ready to attack, the Canadians had 5,000 regulars, militia, and home guard on the defence, reinforced with warships. At their best, the Finnians had 500 men, and at the same time, the Americans had just seized their ships and armament. Realizing they were outnumbered and without resources, the Finnian leadership backed down from the raid and sent their men home. There were a few splinter groups which tried to raid the New Brunswick border themselves, and they even managed to burn down a customs house. After the embarrassment of New Brunswick, the Finnians were aware that their credibility was in shreds. A new strategy was quickly launched this time to attack Ontario in order to draw forces away from Montreal, which was considered the real prize. Finnians from across the United States were summoned to Buffalo in May of 1866. While one would have thought that the presence of 1,500 Finnians at a border town would have piqued the Canadian government's interest, they were confident that they had crushed the Finian threat two months earlier. On May 31st, 1866, Approximately 850 Finnians left Buffalo and crossed the Niagara River into Canada. Their target was the strategically important Welland Canal, but they initially captured the small town of Fort Erie, which despite its name, doesn't really have military defenses. They marched into an undefended town, cut the telegraph lines, and having considered phase one a success, sat down for breakfast. The first day of the Finian invasion passed without a battle, simply because there were no Canadian militia within twenty miles of Fort Erie. In the end, the Canadian and Finian forces ended up more or less running into each other on June 2nd, each headed to where they thought the other was. The Battle of Ridgeway lasted less than two hours, with the Canadians in retreat. Counterintuitively, it was the Finians who were the more professional of the two sides, with experienced Civil War veterans against Canadian volunteers with limited training or experience. Against the odds, the Finnians had their first victory, and headed back to Fort Erie, waiting for further reinforcements. At Fort Erie, there was another skirmish with Canadian forces, with the Finnians once again forcing the Canadians into a quick retreat. 24 hours later, though, things were looking more grim for the Finnians in Fort Erie. Even with the reinforcements from Buffalo, they would be considerably outnumbered by the Canadian forces gathering around Fort Erie. And there was little appetite among the Finnians for an Alamo-type heroic defeat. Barges started to ferry the Finnians back to the U.S. And it was these barges, filled with retreating Finnians that were captured by the Americans, thinking that they were the reinforcements. Up until this point, the American authorities had done their best to ignore the Finnians, as politicians feared being seen as anti-Irish. But the invasion actually forced the Americans to react, and on June 6th there was a presidential proclamation against the Finnians, and the Americans began to seize the Finnians' armaments, arrest leaders, and even offered to pay for the Finnians to return home from Buffalo. Throughout the campaign, the Canadians had lost 12 men with 40 wounded, and the Finnians had lost 18 with 24 wounded. At the same time that the Finnians were retreating in Ontario, Finian forces in Vermont were preparing to attack Quebec as the second prong of the plan. Desertions were high, so it's hard to know their exact numbers, at most approximately 2,000 men. The motivation driving the group which crossed into Quebec on June 7th was more a desire to find food and supplies than execute a larger strategy. This Finnian group also remained in Canada for 48 hours before retreating in the face of a strong Canadian response. While the raids never came close to achieving their objectives... That is not to say they had no impact on history. At the time of the raids, Canada was split into multiple different colonies. The raids forced the people of British North America to wonder whether there might be a benefit to unifying into one country. It was argued at the time that the raids had united Canada across class and regional boundaries like never before. Support for Confederation grew considerably, and in 1867, Upper Canada, Lower Canada, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia united. The Finian threat did diminish after 1866. Confederation had made attacking Canada more difficult, but they also lost their support as Civil War veterans started to integrate more into civilian life. There were a few small raids in 1870 along the Quebec border, but they had limited impact. In 1871, raids were launched in Manitoba, hoping to take advantage of a revolt of the Métis native people against the Canadian government. However, instead of supporting the Fenians, the Métis volunteered to defend the Canadian frontier. School children are normally taught about the Fenians in context of their role in unifying Canada. But in a world of NSA spying, their activities take on a new relevance. Well before the raids, the Canadians were paying close attention to the Fenians, intercepting their mail, paying informers, with collaboration between law enforcement in Canada, multiple U.S. states, and the Dublin Metropolitan Police. The reaction to the Finian threat was such that the upper Canadian government suspended habeas corpus on June 1st, 1866. The questions of how to balance security and personal liberty are old ones, and at times during the spring and summer of 1866, governments found themselves guilty of both under- and overreacting, illustrating how difficult a balance it is to strike.